We heard President Benson's strong voice yesterday morning and again last evening. And we were all encouraged and blessed by what he said. I'm happy to respond to his request that I read the message which he prepared as the closing benediction of this conference. My dear brethren and sisters, this has been a wonderful general conference of the Church. We have felt a marvelous spirit in all of our meetings. I commend my brethren of the general authorities for the excellent addresses they have given. My humble prayer is that all of us will follow the counsel and instruction we have received. As we have felt the Spirit and made new and sacred resolves, may we now have the courage and fortitude to carry out those resolves. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. As my dear friend and brother Harold B. Lee said, we should let these conference addresses be the guide to our walk and talk during the next six months. These are the important matters the Lord sees fit to reveal to this people in this day. May we all go to our homes rededicated to the sacred mission of the Church as so beautifully set forth in these conference sessions to invite all to come unto Christ. Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in Him. This grand mission of the Church is accomplished by proclaiming the gospel, perfecting the saints, and redeeming the dead. In the next few days, in each of our homes, may we prayerfully consider specific ways we as families and individuals can accomplish this mission. While we still feel the spirit of this great conference, and while the words still ring in our ears, let us determine how each of us can be doers of the word and not hearers only. In proclaiming the gospel, would you prayerfully consider and ponder the following as it applies to you? As a young man, are you earnestly preparing to serve a full-time mission? The Lord needs every single young man between the ages of 19 and 26 worthy, prepared, and excited about serving in the mission field. As a mature couple, having reared your children, have you prayerfully considered serving a full-time mission? The Lord needs many more couples in the mission field who can love and fellowship and lead people to Christ. As a single sister where marriage is not in your immediate future, have you prayed about serving a full-time mission and sought counsel from your parents, and from your bishop. Our single sisters are serving marvelous missions throughout the world. Finally, as a member of the Church, do you realize that, as a member missionary, you have a sacred responsibility 
to share the gospel with friends and family. The Lord needs every member of the Church having the faith and the courage to set a date to have someone prepared to be taught by the missionaries. Would each member of the Church prayerfully consider this sacred challenge? Another way we come unto Christ is by perfecting the saints. How do we accomplish this? One way to help perfect ourselves and our families is by daily reading from the scriptures. Are we as families and individuals reading daily from the Book of Mormon and using its teachings to bless and perfect our lives and those of our children? I rejoice in the thousands of members who are responding to this invitation and who testify of the blessings they are receiving. Communicating with our Father in Heaven through prayer also brings a spiritual power and strength found in no other way. Are we praying both morning and night as a family and as individuals? Again, are we holding family home evenings each week? Your immediate results may seem far from ideal at times. But by holding weekly family home evenings, as we have been counseled, we help to perfect that eternal family unit. And now, what about family preparedness? Family preparedness has always been an essential welfare principle in perfecting the saints. Are each of us and our families following where permitted the long-standing counsel to have sufficient food, clothing, and, where possible, fuel on hand to last at least one year. Finally, let us consider the divine charge to redeem the dead. As you ponder this responsibility, would you give serious consideration to the following? Have we prepared ourselves to receive our own endowments, and have sealings for our families been performed in the Holy Temple? By precept and example, our posterity should understand the transcendent importance of marrying the right person in the right place and sealing families for time and eternity. Also. Have we identified and received the ordinances for at least one of our ancestors? All members of the Church should be actively engaged in working on their family histories and receiving the help they need from trained stake and ward, temple, and family history consultants. Do we periodically, in all of the temple ordinances, do we periodically participate? in all of the temple ordinances and thus receive the full blessings of vicarious work for our ancestors? Do we return to the temple often to receive the personal blessings that come from regular temple worship? Prayers are answered. Revelation occurs. Instruction by the Spirit takes place in the holy temples of the Lord. 
Yes, brothers and sisters, the mission of the Church is glorious, to invite all of us to come unto Christ through proclaiming the gospel, perfecting our lives, and redeeming our dead. As we come unto Christ, we bless our own lives, those of our families, and our Father in Heaven's children, both living and dead. Now, as we conclude this General Conference of the Church, I, that is, President Benson, feels to say to you what Alma said to the members of the Church in his day, quote, I would that ye should be humble and be submissive and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of patience and long-suffering, being temperate in all things, being diligent in keeping the commandments of God at all times, asking for whatsoever things ye stand in need, both spiritual and temporal, always returning thanks unto God for whatsoever things ye do receive. And see that ye have faith, hope, and charity, and then ye will always abound in good works. Alma continues, And may the Lord bless you, and keep your garments spotless, that ye may at last be brought to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the holy prophets who have been ever since the world began. And now, my beloved brethren, I have spoken these words unto you according to the Spirit, which testifieth in me, and my soul doth exceedingly rejoice because of the exceeding diligence and heed that ye have given unto my word. Continuing, And now may the peace of God rest upon you and upon your houses and lands, and upon your flocks and herds, and all that you possess, your women and your children, according to your faith and good works, from this time forth and forever. So concludes the words of Alma. Now, President Benson continues, May I express my love for the Latter-day Saints everywhere. There are no better people in all the world. I pray that we will be obedient to God, learn His will and do it, and above all that we will keep the first and great commandment to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I testify to you that this is His work that the kingdom of God has been restored, that Joseph Smith was and is a prophet of the living God, and that the Book of Mormon is truly the work of God. As your humble servant, I desire with all my heart to do God's will and to faithfully serve you and him to the end. Let us all come unto Christ and be perfected in him. I humbly pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
to which I add my testimony that these are the words of the Lord's anointed, the prophet of the living God, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, President Ezra Taft Benson. In the summertime, in the fall, the winter, and the spring, I think about young women. In the daytime and much of the nighttime, you're on my mind. I pray for help for those of you who are experiencing difficulty, and I pray for protection for those of you who are struggling with temptation. I give thanks for thousands of you who are striving to do what is right every day and taking a stand for truth and righteousness. I'm so grateful for loving and devoted parents and dedicated young women leaders who help guide and protect you and who walk with you, cheering you on. These precious few years, from the time of your 12th birthday until you were 18, are so vitally important, so critical and far-reaching, so essential to your happiness now and in the future. In the wonderful book, Anne of Green Gables, we gain some insight into this important and special time in your life. We hear Anne talking to Marilla, her guardian. It's such a solemn thing to be almost 14, Marilla. Miss Stacy took all us girls who were in our teens down to the brook last Wednesday and talked to us about it. She said we couldn't be too careful what habits we formed and what ideals we acquired in our teens because by the time we were 20, our characters would be developed and the foundation laid for our whole future life. And she said if the foundation was shaky, we could never build anything important on it. Diana, Diana and I talked the matter over coming home from school. We felt extremely solemn, Morella, and we decided that we would try to be very careful indeed and form respectable habits and learn all we could and be as sensible as possible so that by the time we were 20, our characters would be properly developed. It's perfectly appalling to think of being 20, Marilla. It sounds so fearfully old and grown up. <laughs> Times change, but truth remains constant. And with so much importance resting on this time in your life, we can better understand and appreciate President Hinckley's message to the young women in which he said, We pray for you. So very much depends on you. And then he added, I'm not asking for perfection. I'm asking for greater effort. Many of you, most of you, I believe, are making greater effort than ever before. A Beehive class president recently expressed her desire, saying, I want to be an excellent president and to serve the Lord more fully. I hope that I can find the lost sheep of the Lord's flock. I will stand for truth and righteousness. I will hold my torch high for everyone to see. Do you think the Lord will hear her prayer as she and her counselors pray for each other and with each other in their effort to bring every young woman in their class into a circle of sisterhood that leads to a closer feeling for each other and love for our Savior? Do you think He will be there and care and guide and direct them? I know He will. And I know He will be with you in answer to your earnest prayers. You will make a difference. You are not too young. You are old enough, wise enough, and good enough to know what is right and what is not right and to follow the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. And you will know what to do. 
On one occasion, a young woman and I went out together to visit a less active member of her class. The young Laurel president said before going, I won't know what to say. I explained that I wouldn't either. But in answer to our prayer, our Father in Heaven would be with us. And then we would know what to say. As we approached the door, we prayed again that we could feel the Spirit and be prompted in what to do and say. The door was only opened a crack at first, but gradually it opened wider. And eventually we sat talking with the young girl. She was home alone. This less active daughter of God gradually began opening her heart as she had opened the door. I don't have any friends, she admitted. How about friends at church, I asked. Oh, they'd never take me back, she said in a tone of despair. I left the church to be with a friend, and then he left me. At once, the Laurel president, who said she was afraid she wouldn't know what to say, reached out, touched the hand of her friend, and said with eagerness, Oh, we'll take you back. We'll take you back. At that moment, I saw evidence of spirit speaking to spirit with a message stronger than words. It was a message of love. The class president reached the heart of that young woman like no one else could. She knew what to say. Young women, you are needed. Never before in the history of the Church has there been such a need for young women who are willing to sacrifice popularity if necessary, suffer loneliness if required, even be rejected if needed to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you keep the commandments and follow the Savior's example, it's like, it's like holding up a light. Your good example helps others to find their way in a darkening world. It takes courage to do what you know to be right, even when it's hard—very hard. But you will never lose your courage unless you choose to. We live in one of the most critical periods of all time. The powers of the evil are fighting against truth and righteousness, and the battle is reaching a climax. Someday the war between good and evil will be won, a permanent victory for good. But right now, each one of you can fight for the right on your own battlefield by making right choices about what you will do and what you won't do as you learn to listen to the promptings of the Spirit. Once you make your decision to do what is right, you don't have to fight the battle with every temptation that presents itself every day. You simply take a stand and say to yourself, I will do this and I won't do that, and Satan will have to turn elsewhere to find his followers. One young woman wrote and shared an experience about a very special boyfriend. She told of her desire to, of his desire to persuade her to participate in improper conduct. She said, I would tell him that I wanted him to be worthy to go on a mission. Every now and then, when it felt right, I'd say little things about standards or following the wrong path. A few weeks ago, I called him up and I bore my testimony to him and told him why I say no. It was so hard. I hung up and just bawled. The next day, I got a note from him, and in it he told me that I was one of the most respected young women he knew. I am so happy that I have the standards of this gospel and that I could pray to my Heavenly Father for the strength to handle these trials. And then she closes with this strong commitment, I have made up my mind. I will keep plowing right through all the trials that Satan puts in my way. In Christ's parable of the ten virgins, each young woman had a lamp to carry. Today we too carry lamps. The light within is the light of Christ. The young woman logo, in the form of a torch, symbolizes this light. A torch will light the way for you and for others to follow, but only if it is filled with oil. I would like to tell you of three sure ways in which you can get the oil and add to it every day. 
first, experience the power of prayer in your daily lives. Talk with your Father in Heaven every night and every morning. Tell Him how it is with you. In your daily prayers, you might ask, Father in Heaven, what can I do today to help in Thy work? You might simply ask, What should I do or not do to be a better member of my family, a better friend, a better member of the Church, a better student at school? If you listen carefully, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will be surprised at the guidance you will receive when you sincerely ask and then listen. It may come as a simple reminder to express appreciation to your parents or an impression to not see a particular movie or listen to a popular song. You may feel the need to resist compromising or making excuses or rationalizing to justify what you want to do. Or maybe the whispering will come in the words of a scripture you have read. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. But when you follow these promptings, a warm, good feeling will come over you, and you will know that what you are doing is right. The second sure way to have oil to light your way is to become familiar with a few favorite scriptures, and then gradually add new ones as you study the scriptures each day. We need young women who use and read the scriptures like letters from home to know what our Father in Heaven wants them to do and not do while they are away. By studying the scriptures, we learn why there must be good and evil, why we must be tried and tested. We learn why we must choose for ourselves and why we must be responsible for our choices. Young women, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose to be obedient, not disobedient. Choose to be self-disciplined, not self-indulgent. Shun temptation. Listen to counsel. Don't follow the crowd in fashion and fad. Choose to follow the words of the scriptures and living prophets without compromise or complaint. We need young women who will not yield to unrighteous peer pressure or submit to immoral activities. We need young women who will maintain their purity, whose actions are the same as their beliefs, who can say with Job, Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. The third sure way to obtain the oil, the light to guide you, is to keep the commandments of God. As you look forward to one day going to the temple and receiving the endowment, a gift of knowledge and blessings to you from your Heavenly Father, you will have a firmness and a steadfastness in resisting temptations. I know hundreds, yes, thousands of you, who are preparing and planning to one day walk through the doors of the temple, the house of the Lord. I hope that all of you will do this. Don't let anything or anyone get in your way or distract you from that goal for even a minute. In the temple, you will gain a clearer understanding and appreciation of who you really are. It is there that you will learn more about the Savior than anywhere else I know. You will learn about becoming royal leaders in God's kingdom and learn what is essential as you follow the path safely back home to live with your Father in heaven forever. Remember always that the further you are from the negative influences of the world, the closer you are to your heavenly home. I hear of more and more young women asking the all-important questions about every activity, every date, every party, every decision, every video presentation, and every record or tape purchased. You are not wavering and asking, What shall I do? You are asking, What do I want to have happen? Will what I choose bring me closer to my Father in heaven? Will it move me closer to my goal, to my mission, to my purpose in life, to happiness here and now and also in the hereafter? Or could this be the kind of temporary pleasure that will burn like ashes and eventually leave scars, low self-esteem, despair, and regret? 
as you listen to the Spirit within. One day you will find yourself asking even a different question, not what do I want to have happen, but rather what does He want to have happen. When we begin to want what we know our Heavenly Father wants for us, trusting that it is the very best for us, then we begin to experience a peace, a happiness that we've never known before. I know this. I can promise you this. We see hundreds more of you who are earning the Young Womanhood Medallion. It is a symbol of your commitment in the past as well as your commitment to the future. You are making greater effort. Young women, mothers, leaders, let us all be filled, filled with the light, the strength, the faith that comes from prayer, scripture study, and obedience to God's commandments each day of our lives. Let us stand united together, shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, and hand in hand, bonded together by that light that never grows dim. We'll hold our torches high, that Christ's true light through us will shine, His name to glorify. God is our Father, and we are His daughters. Just think of that. He knows us and loves each one of us. To this I testify. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Sister Winder, for your important message. I want to acknowledge before this congregation my love and deep respect for you and for Sister Cap. I treasure the experiences that we have together and the work that we are able to accomplish. I have prepared my message especially for you 10- and 11-year-old girls when I was a girl of about 10, one summer afternoon a friend and I took blankets and crackers out into the hayfield behind our Idaho home. The hay in the middle of the summer was sweet-smelling, lush, and so tall that when we spread our blankets in the middle of the field, we could sit on our blankets and eat crackers with the hay making a wall around us and hiding us from sight. There we were in a world all of our own. We liked to pick the dandelions that grew large and abundantly there. We split their stems lengthwise. Have any of you ever done that? And submerged the stems in the water of the irrigation ditch. As we watched, the dandelion stems began to curl from the end. We split the stem a little farther, and each piece curled until the entire stem was a fluff of curly fibers. It was an afternoon of wonder for us. We were there all alone under that bright, blue, clean, warm sky, and it seemed as if God had created this day and dandelion stems just for us to enjoy. I said to my friend, Don't you just feel happy inside? She said, No, I don't. I was shattered by her blunt, almost emotionless statement. Why? I exclaimed. Because it won't last, she said. You can be happy for a minute but not for very long. Life just doesn't make sense to me. I didn't know what to say to my friend that day, but I do now. And I want to talk to you 10- and 11-year-old girls, my sweet little sisters, and answer my friend as I speak to you tonight as if we were, you and I, sitting in that beautiful hayfield together. Our Heavenly Father expects and intends for us to be happy. Man is that he might have joy, the scripture says. That means 10- and 11-year-old girls are that they might have joy as well. Life does make sense because there is a plan, 
a plan by which we may have joy and be happy here on earth and eternally, and my friend didn't know that. You girls have often repeated in primary this motto, I can follow God's plan for me. What is the plan? I think you know it. In our pre-earth life, we had proved ourselves faithful. We needed to have a chance to show Heavenly Father that we could be obedient when we were away from Him. And so He permitted us to come to this earth. Satan was terribly angry that his method of implementing our Heavenly Father's plan was not accepted. He swore he would turn us away from Heavenly Father. So we have a choice. We can either choose Heavenly Father's plan or we can follow Satan. It's as simple as that. Now the scriptures tell us that everything good comes from Heavenly Father and that following Satan brings misery and unhappiness. This is important for us to know. My birthday was a few weeks ago, and my children asked me, as they always do on my birthday or Christmas or Mother's Day, Mother, what would you like for your birthday? I answered them, as I always do, Sweetheart, just be good so you can be happy. Their happiness is my fondest desire. Our happiness is our Heavenly Father's fondest desire. He has given us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We learn his teachings through the scriptures, through revelation, and through our prophet in order that joy might be ours through our own personal goodness or personal righteousness. He wants us to be good so we can be happy. The great Book of Mormon prophet Lehi, whom you have learned about this year, told his children, If there be no righteousness, there be no happiness. When we are good or righteous, we are following God's plan. But isn't it good to be hard? Excuse me, isn't it hard to be good sometimes? It is a struggle with the temptations that come from being human, being mortal in a mortal world. But that too is part of the plan. That is where the choice comes in. Lehi also taught his children, and to bring about his eternal purposes, that is, that we might be happy and glorified forever, it must needs be that there was an opposition, even the forbidden fruit in opposition to the tree of life, the one being sweet and the other bitter. Therefore the Lord gave unto man that he should act for himself. Wherefore man could not act for himself, save it should be that he was enticed by one or the other. Yes, you have a choice. The Lord has given you control of your life by giving you a choice. Let me repeat that. The Lord has given you control of your life. I'm not saying that nothing bad will ever happen to you. You will not always be able to control what others may say or do, but you can control how you will react to them. Temptation, illness, accidents, and tragedy are part of this life. There will be some tough days, some very tough days. But when you follow God's plan, you can know what to do, and that's when you are in control. You can decide whether or not you are going to be happy by making choices that will lead you close to your Heavenly Father and away from Satan. You can decide what you will say and do. I think you know what I mean.
You've already made some good decisions that have made you happy. You've chosen to be baptized. You've chosen to attend church meetings like this one. You may have decided to not use profanity or to not watch bad television programs or to dress modestly or to observe the word of wisdom. Every day brings many opportunities to choose to follow God's plan. Susan was eight years old. She had just been baptized. She was playing out in the yard with her sisters and with some of her friends, and she came into the house to get a drink of water. Her mother said, Susan, dinner's ready. Will you please call your sisters to eat? So she went to the door and called to them. They really didn't want to come in. And so they said, oh, no, it isn't time for dinner. You're just teasing us. And they accused her of not telling the truth. Well, she gathered herself up in all of her eight-year-old dignity, put her hands on her hips, and said, It is dinner time. I'm telling you the truth, and you can believe me because I've been baptized. She knew that her baptism required of her a certain standard of behavior. Her choice was that she would tell the truth, and she was willing to commit to that. Now, I don't suppose that little girl grew up without ever telling a lie, but as I have studied the word righteousness, I have found nothing that indicates that being righteous is being perfect. Goodness, virtue, morality are all dictionary synonyms, but not perfect. All of us will make mistakes in our lives, but although perfection is our ultimate destination, righteousness or goodness is the chariot that carries us there. How tragic were we never to climb aboard the chariot or once aboard climb off, fearing a wheel would break along the way. Wheels can be mended, and we can begin again to be good, to follow God's plan for us so we can be happy. Every good thing you do in your life is following God's plan. Every time you are kind to another person, each time you have courage to do something difficult, each time you do a thoughtful act without being asked, each time you say your prayers, each time you read the scriptures, each time you go to church, each time you help a friend, you are following God's plan for you. Often the choices are hard because we sometimes want to do what everyone else is doing or because something frightens us or worries us or because we really don't know what is the right choice. When hands were placed upon your head at the time you were confirmed a member of the Church, you were given the Holy Ghost to help you know what your Heavenly Father would have you do and to have the courage to do it. So even when it's hard, you can pray for answers, you can read in the scriptures, and the Holy Ghost will help you know. Sometimes you will know in your heart what you should do. Sometimes you'll have a feeling that you should talk to someone else who could help you. Sometimes the answer comes quickly. Sometimes it takes a while. And when the answer comes, You be the one to follow that answer. Now, as we contemplate being good and being happy, it is helpful to remember this. It is possible to make a right choice, and at the time you make it, to feel lonely or rejected or embarrassed. When you have to leave a party, for example, because things are are going on there that are not right, 
or others criticize you for doing something you know is right, you may not feel exactly happy. If this happens to you, remember, what others think of you is far less important than what your Heavenly Father thinks of you and what you think of yourself. Your happiness will be in the comfort you feel inside, knowing that what you have done is right and that your Heavenly Father approves your choice. Finally, time will prove you right, and others will respect and admire you. I wish that day in the green hayfield that I had been able to help my friend. I knew the plan, but I didn't know that's what she needed to hear. Life would have made sense to her had she known Heavenly Father's plan. I hope someone taught her. I wish I had been the one. Today's world needs 10- and 11-year-old girls who know the purpose of life and who can, with courage and sincerity, make a declaration of their determination to follow God. If I had the wish of my heart, I would hear all you 10- and 11-year-old girls in the church right now stand and say together, I will follow God's plan for me. Instead, as you sit quietly here in the tabernacle or watching in your stake center or in your home, let us together make that declaration in our hearts, a private promise to our Heavenly Father in this silent moment. I will follow God's plan for me. Only your Heavenly Father knows if you have made this promise, girls. But know that thousands all over the world just now have united with you in that commitment. And I pledge publicly to you, my sisters, that I have made this commitment. I promise that I will continue to repeat it so I will remember. I know God lives and loves us, and I will Follow God's plan for me. Now, in a moment, we're going to hear the primary girls of the Holiday Utah Region Choir behind me sing. You'll notice that one word has been changed in this familiar song that makes it now reflect the commitment we have made together tonight. I will follow God's plan for me. I pray that we will all keep this commitment, all of us. I hope you will repeat it together often. I hope you'll write it down and put it where you'll always see it. I hope you'll have many opportunities to say and to sing. I will follow God's plan for me. And wherever I go, I hope that you girls will come to me and let me know that you have committed to your Heavenly Father always to follow His plan for you. Now let us go forth as sisters determined that no force will turn us from our Heavenly Father's way. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Make me an instrument of thy peace. What meaningful words for the women of the Church. Others, too, teach us of the women. In Proverbs we read, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. 
The virtuous woman described in Proverbs was a woman who was prepared. She worked willingly, stretched out her hand to the poor, saw to the physical needs of her household, sought after knowledge. She had profound reverence for the Lord. While many of her tasks may appear to be temporal in nature, her blessings were eternal ones. When we speak of preparedness, often our first thoughts center on temporal or physical preparedness—food, clothing, shelter. While these preparations are important and necessary, they are not all-inclusive. There is a crucial balance between the temporal and spiritual aspects of this principle. The Lord has said, All things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal. The Lord taught us a very important lesson when He visited the home of His friends, Mary and Martha. While Martha was <clears throat> attended to the needs of her guest, Mary sat and listened to the words of the Savior. We read, But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to Him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. In his counsel, but one thing is needful. Could the Lord have been referring to one thing lacking in Mary's preparation? Probably. There is need for balance. Our physical preparation, including a clean, orderly home, makes it possible for the Spirit to be present. Likewise, the Spirit of the Lord brings an atmosphere of peace and contentment to our orderly home. One sister told of her preparation to receive a general authority guest in her home for state conference. Everything was to be perfect. Extensive cleaning and cooking were done. Her ten children were prepped as to what should be their roles. She worked hard. By the time he arrived, she was exhausted and couldn't enjoy his visit. Too late, she realized that spiritual preparation was needful also. She stated, It is because of our spiritual preparation that we can find answers to our everyday challenges. It is because of our spiritual preparation that we can find joy in enduring and overcoming our trials. It is because of our spiritual preparation that we can feel the greatest joy of all, a nearness and closeness to our Savior and Father in heaven. End quote. How then do we prepare? We prepare by developing a strong relationship with our Heavenly Father through prayer, scripture study, and obedience to the commandments, by knowing our own worth, and by sustaining the priesthood. Qualities of spirituality do not come without effort. Like any other talent with which we are blessed, they must be constantly practiced. A famous pianist once said, If I fail to practice for one day, my family can tell the difference in my playing. 
if I fail to practice for two days, then the whole world can tell the difference in my practicing, in my, uh, in my playing, excuse me. This same principle applies to us in our quest for exaltation. In applying the parable of the ten virgins to our lives, our modern prophets have explained that the oil of preparation is accumulated drop by drop through daily righteous living. Consistently attending sacrament meeting adds oil to our lamps. So too will fasting, praying individually and as a family, visiting teaching, controlling our bodily appetites, teaching gospel principles, nourishing and nurturing, watching over one another, studying the scriptures, keeping the commandments, each act of dedication and obedience is a drop of oil with which we can refuel our lamps. Keeping the commandments and following the words of the prophet may be the greatest preparation we can make for any eventuality to come. A few years ago, while we were serving in the mission field, a minister who was investigating the Church said, I hear you talk about the benefits of a living prophet. What sort of pronouncements has he made lately? We replied, The prophet has taught us that we need to live frugally, we need to stay out of debt, fix up our homes and plant gardens that we may enjoy the fruit of our labor. The minister thought for a moment and then said, That is not what I would have imagined a prophet to say. But as I consider it, what better advice could be given? Often the advice that is given by our prophets is so simple and practical that we overlook it and fail to heed it. We are taught that we have great worth in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. The primary children sing, I am a child of God. The young women recite their theme, which begins, We are daughters of our Heavenly Father who loves us. And the prophets have declared that virtuous women are more priceless than rubies. Listen to this simple direction from our prophet to the young women of the Church, which applies to all of us. Live up to your divine potential. Remember who you are and the divine heritage that is yours. You are literally royal daughters of our Father in Heaven. Don't settle for less than what the Lord wants you to be." End quote. Unfortunately, many of us fail to recognize what the Lord wants us to be. A sister wrote to me recently telling me of some events that led her to realize how much her Heavenly Father loved her and had blessed her. She said, I have had very low self-esteem and have not felt good enough to have a close relationship with my Father in Heaven. This has kept me self-centered and unable to serve as effectively as I could. During the last few months, I have felt a yearning desire within me, an urgency, if you will, to draw nearer to my Father in Heaven. Lately, <clears throat> I have felt His literal arm around me and His great love extending to me, a beautiful feeling of acceptance. With this have come many gifts—more patience, more self-control, more understanding. I know this is the Holy Ghost teaching me. 
I have learned when priorities are in order, and I prepare personally each day with prayer, scripture study, and physical care, I am happier and a more profitable servant. End quote. We learn from this that we also prepare by serving, teaching, nurturing, and helping others prepare as we work daily to attain righteousness and a spiritual way of life, we have a responsibility to elevate others to help them realize their divine potential and be an instrument in the hands of God. Yes, being a woman brings blessings and responsibilities. Often there are tasks which, when filled, are without visibility, acclaim, or attendant worldly power. Nonetheless, they are vital to the progress of humankind. When we are diverted from our course, serious weaknesses may appear in our lives and in the lives of family members as well as society. Because of the subtle craftiness of men who lie in wait to deceive, many even of the very elect are being deceived. How diligently, sisters, we must strive to reach out to those who know not where to find the truth and bring them home again into the fold. No effort is too great, no endeavor too much. Our preparation does not always proceed just as we had planned it. My own mother has shared with me some of her goals and aspirations. Often, as she began a project, something would happen to change her course of action. A mother-in-law in her waning years needed a home and special care. A younger sister needed help to complete her schooling. There were those with whom she worked who also desperately needed help. She was always there to serve. She gave this service graciously. And though not all her own personal plans were accomplished, she looks back on her life and says that if she had it to do all over again, she wouldn't change anything. Service to others brings that kind of satisfaction. It is according to our natures, sisters, to have feelings of charity and benevolence. It isn't always easy to put these feelings into action. But as women... We should pray for charitable desires and opportunities and then work to foster these godlike attributes. I suppose that Emma Smith had more than her share of frustration and disappointment. Her life couldn't have been easy as she suffered persecution along with her husband, the prophet. It is reported that shortly before his martyrdom, Joseph sent a message to Emma in answer to her request for a blessing. He was not able to give her a blessing, but told her to write one. And when he saw her again, he would sign it. I am impressed with the faith and the righteous intent revealed in her words. I desire the Spirit of God to know and understand myself. I desire a fruitful, active mind that I may be able to comprehend the designs of God when revealed through his servants. I particularly desire wisdom to bring up all the children that are or may be committed to my charge 
in such a manner that they will be useful in the kingdom of God. I desire that I may wear a cheerful countenance and be a blessing to all. I desire with all my heart to honor and respect my husband. President Ezra Taft Benson has declared, When we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives. Our love of the Lord will govern the claims for our affections, the demands on our time, the interests we pursue, and the order of our priorities." We need to put God first and balance our spiritual and temporal preparations that we might become virtuous women, righteous daughters, instruments in His hands to help prepare the way for His coming. Sisters, shall we not go on in so great a cause, as we read in the Doctrine and Covenants? Go forward and not backward. Courage and on, on to victory. Let your hearts rejoice and be exceeding glad. I pray, sisters, that we will rejoice and go on to victory as we prepare for the second coming of our Savior. I pray that we will not be led away by the subtle enticings of the world that come to us sometimes even from those near and dear to us, the enticings that say to us, seek for visibility, seek for power and influence. Be sure your own needs are being met. These are not the teaching of Him whose coming we await. He says to us, rather, Be the servant of all. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I pray that we will not be discouraged and not led away, not be deceived, but cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God. I know our Father lives and that Jesus is the Christ. We are engaged in His work. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.